0: Chapter 4. Summary. Rude? To you? Surely not! What with you being such a polite individual! By Sokka's estimate, it was only two days before Zhao got the news he was waiting for. Sokka had spent most of the time alternately freaking out about his current situation and daydreaming about killing the man who had murdered the Water Tribe prisoners. He had learned from Zuko that the guy's name was Shen, and as far as Sokka was concerned, he had earned his place on the end of Sokka's, currently imaginary, sword. Zuko had offered what information he knew about the man. He had been a follower of Zhao for much of his career, and was loyal to a fault. The prince heaped scorn on his lack of critical thinking and blind allegiance. Sokka found that Zuko holding such an opinion was more than a little hypocritical, but he had tactfully not mentioned it. As with the prince's probable looming execution, it felt a little too much like kicking a puppy. But whatever. Shen was going down. Eventually. When he wasn't thinking about murder, Sokka was speculating wildly about the new information he had discovered about Zuko. The prince had refused to answer any questions regarding his banishment, and sulked or yelled whenever Sokka brought it up. But that didn't stop Sokka thinking up more and more wild possibilities what had he done that was so bad that a tyrant would kick him out? He seemed steadfastly loyal to his nation and his despot father. So not treason, or at least not purposeful treason. He seemed to commit accidental treason on the regular, so perhaps there had been another one of those misunderstandings? Just the thought of it made Sokka's eyes roll. But he couldn't let it go. He had too many questions. How recently had it happened? He'd said he'd been at sea for three years, so how old had he been? Surely Sokka thought Zuko was only a few years older than he was, but surely he couldn't have been younger than 15 or 16 when he was banished. It was clear that Zuko believed capturing the Avatar was his way to wiggle back into his dad's good graces. But if he had done something terrible, would that have even helped? Of course, the other option was he had done something petty, and his dad had seen the opportunity to offload an unwanted extra child. Sokka wasn't sure how many kids the Fire Lord had, but if Zuko was a super one, exile was a way of getting him out of the way without obviously murdering him. Now that he thought about it, that made the most sense. Treason was the sort of thing that people accepted might end in execution. So if he had done something terrible, then his dad could just have had him killed. But if he had just wanted to get rid of him, banishment was less likely to cause a political scene. People tended to get a bit upset about undeserved filicide. Of course, maybe Zuko had committed a terrible crime and banishment was his dad's way of saving him, rather than having to have him killed or imprisoned. But, nah, Sokka couldn't see it. The Fire Lord was just too much of an evil bastard to be doing people favors, even his own offspring. Either way, it was a mystery and helped while away the long, stagnant hours. He was resisting just asking again, despite the desire to know. Zuko was highly strong, and Sako wasn't sure he wanted yet another shouting match this early, late, in the day. He hated not knowing if it was even day or night. It was so disorienting, and once he started thinking about it, it just became more and more infuriating. There was one sure way to take his mind off his troubles, and that was to pick on his cellmate, just gently, so as not to elicit the full-on yelling, Oi! Zuko! Saka just loved the angry, scrunchy-face, pursed-lipped pout he got when he left off the prince, or called for Zuko using "hey" or oi. He could now tell the difference between enraged scowl, offended scowl, and miffed pout that looked like a scowl because of the scar tissue. There really wasn't much else to do in this jailboat except stare at Zuko, so he may as well make it interesting and catalog his facial expressions, especially as they were pretty hilarious. What? Zuko said giving him more scrunchy-faced irritation. Amazing. Why does Muttonchop have it in for you so much? Apart from the time you definitely did not steal the avatar out from under his nose. Because, got to say, he didn't seem to like you the last time I saw the two of you together either. Tied you to a pillar and called you a traitor, if I recall. Zuko uttered a heavy, aggrieved sigh, like the drama llama. Ha! He was. He's never liked me. I don't know why. "'Oh, come on! There must be something!' Zuko shrugged, but he had a slightly shifty look on his face, so there was clearly a story there somewhere. "'Indulge me,' Sokka wheedled. "'If you pissed him off, I want to hear about it. "'Especially if it was embarrassing for him in any way whatsoever. "'Even a little bit will give me joy!' Another long sigh. The first time I met him, some wine got spilled on him, just before an important meeting he was attending." Saka scoffed. "'Got spilled on him? Just like that? It didn't have help. Was it via the lost art of wine bending? "'No, it wasn't even me. It was as—' "'It was my sister. But I got the blame.' "'Well, that answered one question. There were other children. One sister, at least. "'Did you get in trouble?' "'Not really. He wasn't anyone of note then. Just a captain. But he may have taken the perceived insult a little personally.' So he's still bitter that a... How old were you? Ten. Wow, I can't actually imagine you as a child. Weird. So he's still mad about something you did when you were ten? That's pathetic, even for him. Zuko did some guilty shifting, and his lower lip stuck out a little in his I'm lying by omission pout. Spirits above and below, this boy was not meant for politics. When he snapped at me, I might have referred to him as being lowborn. I think he may have resented the truth in that, possibly because it was in front of a general he was trying to impress. That, of course, was the other reason he was clearly not cut out for a career in the political sphere. That sounds like something that might get under his skin. Also tracks from my growing image of ten-year-old you. Zuko made an angry gesture with his bound wrists, wincing a little as he did so. I didn't like him. Nobody likes him. He's insufferable. Saka placated, making soothing motions. But what was it you disliked so much? As you said, you didn't get in trouble for the wine bending incident, and he could hardly say anything to the Crown Prince. Saka probed. After the sister revelation, he was keen to find out what other little nuggets of information Zuko might drop. I wasn't the Crown Prince then. And pay dirt! Wasn't the Crown Prince then? Meaning he was now? That made all of Saka's theories much more complicated. You didn't just banish your heir, did you? Not unless there was a preferred child, a younger son, perhaps that was a possibility, or oh, what if he had offed his older sibling and taken his place, But the fire lord couldn't prove it and banished him. Spirits, the possibilities were endless. Who was Crown Prince back then? He asked as casually as he could, My cousin, How did that come about? He had suspected the fire Nation royal family was some sort of hotbed of political murder. And this just confirmed it. What happened to the cousin? Zuko, clearly unaware he was being pumped for information, was still wrestling with explaining why he didn't like Zhao. In Sokka's opinion, being in the same room with him for more than a minute was probably enough to cement a lifelong dislike. But the same could probably be said for Zuko, so it wasn't a surprise he was having trouble verbalizing it. I didn't like the way he looked at my sister, Zuko blurted after a visible struggle. And that took a turn. Oh, gross! How old was she? Zuko's eyes widened. No, not like that. It wasn't that kind of look. Or not exactly. It was something else. Something. He gestured with a sharp movement that was again cut short by the restraints around his wrists. He glared at them. Something. Saka prompted, when Zuko seemed more intent on trying to glower his manacles out of existence than finishing his sentence. Something calculating, he shrugged, like the way he looked at the generals he wanted to butter up. I don't know. Maybe I was just putting too much into it. She was only eight. A younger sister. Interesting. If the cousin was crowned prince, and then maybe Zuko next in line, a younger sister still close to the throne, but not too close, could be of use to an ambitious, highly decorated military type once she hit a marriageable age. He wasn't sure if Zuko had clocked that, or had just been intuitively protective of his little sister. Something that Sokka could relate to. Perhaps certain things were universal to older brothers, even in the Fire Nation. So that's why he hates you? and mishap with some wine and a well-deserved insult from a ten-year-old? Shifty face. Well, no. A few years after... Um, after I left. After you were banished? Yes. After that, I ran into him again, and he was rude to me. Sokka gasped dramatically. Rude? To you? Surely not. What with you being such a polite individual. What did you say to him? Come on, I want to hear it. I told him he was a bottom-feeding bootlicker looking to rise above his station. Sokka grinned. Oh, lovely, he said delightedly. But that went down well. Like a turd in the grog. Sokka cackled. Most of the time, Zuko spoke like a snooty prince, but sometimes he said things that were pure, foul-mouthed sailor, and it never failed to make Sokka laugh. Zuko looked down his nose and continued like Sokka wasn't still snickering. Zhao's ambitious. The military was always going to be his way to climb up the ladder, and he did it by stepping on others. His career has always been full of reports of unpleasant incidents. Sokka wiped an imaginary tear from his eye, still grinning. Can't say I'm shocked. So it was a war of words, mostly until he decided to try to steal the avatar from me. I thought you stole the avatar from him. He started it. That had Sokka giggling again. Zuko was ridiculous. He had no idea why he had ever been intimidated by him. Okay, so he tried to get in on the avatar capturing game, and I challenged him and then beat him in an Agni Kai. A who? The what? Agni Kai, a fire duel. Sokka whistled. You beat him in a duel? No need to sound so surprised, Zuko said with some irritation. Surprised? Not really. You seem to be good at setting stuff on fire. I hope you gave that stupid hog monkey a good singeing. Zuko looked a little pensive. I should have killed him. It would have been my right. If only. I very much wish you had. Why didn't you? A shrug. I already beat him. Why would I kill him? Now it was Sokka's turn to sigh. He really didn't understand what went on in the prince's squirrely little brain. He made no sense at all. You are a baffling man, Prince Zuko, he said. Zuko squinted at him, like he was hunting for the mockery in Sokka's words. He wasn't mocking him, not really. He was baffling. He was still giving Zuko his most innocent, not-mocking expression, which seemed to be making the prince scowl harder and harder, when the door swung open, to reveal Lieutenant Rowe in full armor and looking very pleased. Sokka's heart sank. He looked more than pleased. He looked like a man who had just been given the gift of a lifetime. This was not going to be good. Your Highness, he greeted Zuko, sweeping a short mocking bow. Clearly sensing the same danger Sokka did, Zuko rose to his feet in a motion that was somehow still graceful despite his bound hands. He stood straight and strong, his back a rigid line under his dirty white shirt. "'It's time to pay the piper,' Rose said. "'Told you it wouldn't be me.' "'What do you mean?' Zuko asked sharply. "'News from the Fire Lord. Admiral Zhao is waiting for you on deck. Are you going to walk like a man, or do we have to drag you?' "'Don't be ridiculous,' I can walk just fine. Sokka didn't think that was what Ro meant, but Zuko was clearly still clinging to the idea his dad wouldn't just wash his hands of him. Delusion was strong in this one. But then, wasn't it just as strong in Sokka, who was still convinced that an opportunity to escape and get revenge would present itself? One of the accompanying soldiers undid the locks on the door, and Zuko stepped out, head held high. Two men took a firm grip on his arms, but he ignored them and glared at Ro instead. Hold him steady, Ro said, as the third man undid one of the shackles. Sokka could see the released wrist was red and raw from where the metal had been rubbing. No wonder he had been wincing every time he moved his arms. Zuko tensed at the man handling, but didn't resist as his arms were pulled behind him and rebound. Call Sokka a pessimist, but that didn't look like a good sign to him. He was, however, surprised and a bit alarmed when his own cell was unlocked and Roe paused in his gloating to usher him out. You too, little rat, he said. Bastard! Sokka was getting really, really tired of being called that. It was probably going to be a mistake, but Sokka stepped clear of his cage without causing trouble. He wanted to see the sky. He wanted to feel the breeze on his skin and see anything that wasn't this cell. He did regret that sentiment when they reached the deck, and very much wished they would take him back down to his prison. It looked like every soldier on the murder boat had turned out to see what Sokka was increasingly sure would be the long-awaited execution party. All that armor gleaming in the moonlight, it reminded him of the last time he had been out here, the feel of blood sliding between his toes as he had been taken below decks. He swallowed bile and looked up. The waning moon was bright. He estimated it had been about a week since then. Just seven or eight days. It felt like a lifetime. Zhao was standing in the center of the deck, his sideburns practically quivering with anticipation. He smiled at Zuko, who was also squinting at the moon, probably making the same assessment Sokka had. Hoping for the sun? Zhao asked. You won't see it again, I'm afraid. It seemed like an odd thing to taunt him with, given all the possible options. It occurred to Sokka that maybe firebenders relied on the sun as a source of power. If he took benders away from their element, they seemed to wilt, like the earthbenders from Haru's village. That could be another reason Zuko was not bending with any real strength when he lost his temper. It might also be that he just wasn't very strong compared to someone like Zhao, but the fact he beat him in a duel indicated otherwise. Of course, even if he was the weakest bender alive, Zuko would probably still try to roast Zhao at every opportunity, so it was very likely he was depleted somehow, and being kept away from his element was a pretty good explanation. True to form, Zuko walked up to Zhao and looked him right in the eye. Zhao smiled, Neil! Never! Zuko spat, tossing his head and looking down his nose in that imperious way he had. Zhao nodded, and some of the soldiers stepped forward to take Zuko's arms. He had been remarkably dignified to this point, which was a surprise, but the tension of the moment seemed to have been eroding his self-control, and he tried to shrug them off with angry movements of his shoulders. "'Unhand me!' he snarled, but it was directed at Zhao rather than his men. "'No, I don't think I will, your highness.' Sokka felt a dizzying burst of fear. "'Oh shit, Zuko really was going to be killed tonight.' Although he had been expecting it, it hadn't felt real. He was surprised to feel so conflicted. He didn't like Zuko. He was an enemy and an arsehole. But he was also not as bad a person as Sokka had previously thought. At least not compared to the vast majority of the Fire Nation. He had... honor. Or at least something resembling it. He didn't seem to want to kill without reason, and he had shown something dangerously close to compassion when Sokka had spoken about what had happened to his family. More than that, he had kept his promise to leave Sokka's village, and had not returned when Aang broke his word. Sokka had a sudden vision of what might have happened if Zhao had been the first to discover the Avatar, and he shuddered. Spirits, they had been so, so lucky. He was going to smack Aang upside the head when he saw him again, on principle alone, and smack himself too for flying away and not checking that the Fire Nation soldiers they had just humiliated had not gone back for revenge. Of course, Zuko could have returned and murdered his village anyway, but Sokka's instincts told him he hadn't. He trusted that he hadn't. His reaction to Sokka's brief words about his mother was enough to convince him of that. And wasn't that a weird turnabout? He didn't mean Zuko wasn't an arse, and he was still a colonizing ash maker, but perhaps just not as bad as the rest. Typical that the Fire Nation would execute the not-completely-evil ones. Saka's attention was drawn back to the scene in front of him. As Zuko let out an angry yell, the soldiers were trying to knock his legs out from under him and force him to his knees. He wasn't having it, though, and was using their grip on his arms to support his body as he lashed out with some powerful kicks of his own. Saka had been on the receiving end of those, and he smirked at the cries of pain when he struck home. "'That boy had some serious leg power!' He wasn't going to win, even though it did take a considerable effort to wrestle him into a kneeling position. Eventually, that's where he ended up, breathing hard and glaring with the power of a thousand suns. A man gripped each shoulder, keeping him down. It reminded Sokka far too much of the killing of his people. It was going to happen again. He didn't want it to happen. He didn't want to witness it, which was clearly why he was here— "'forced once again to watch helplessly "'as someone was murdered in front of him. "'He found himself struggling against the men resisting him, "'tugging against the grip they had on his arms "'and jerking against their hold. "'Last time he had been too afraid to move or protest, "'and he had spent the past week wishing he had done something, "'anything, even though it was obvious "'he would not have been able to prevent the deaths. "'Stop it!' he called. "'The man holding him shook him roughly.' And roe turned to smile at him, his teeth a white slash in the moonlight. Zuko twisted so he could see him. He looked surprised. That made an uncomfortable feeling rise in Sokka's chest. He was the only person who gave a crap what happened to Zuko, a flaming Fire Nation prince. His world was upside down. No, Zhao said, amused, with pleasure clear in his face. He unrolled a pale, thick scroll and held it in front of the prince. Saka was too far away to see the seal, but from the way all the color left Zuko's face, he assumed it was his father's. Recognize this? Zhao asked. It's a royal decree from the Fire Lord. Shall I read it to you? Zuko shuddered slightly and looked down. It was obvious he was now braced for the worst. What must it feel like to know your own father was going to have you killed? I'll skip to the good parts, Zhao said. For the crime of breaking the terms of your banishment— You, Zuko, son of Ursa, are hereby stripped of your name and birthright, including all titles and land. You are declared nameless and nationless. Shall pause to bask in the effect of his little speech? Zuko's head was bowed, and he was flinching as though the words were physically striking him. His good eye was wide, and he looked like he was gasping for breath. Whether in fear, despair, or anger, Sokka couldn't tell. Sokka felt for him. He knew it was coming. Anyone with half a brain knew what the letter would contain when it arrived, or at least the gist of it. Except Zuko, apparently. But even he must have had an inkling, even beneath the huge mountain of denial he was attempting to live under. Sokka was pretty sure it wasn't even his looming death he was freaking out about. It was being stripped of his name, his birthright, his family, his nation. This was brutal, Saka couldn't even imagine how he would feel if his identity was taken from him in such a way. Not that it would be, because his dad wasn't an evil tyrant, and he would never do anything so awful that his father would have to banish or execute him. People in the Water Tribes were exiled, if the crime was serious enough, but it happened very rarely, and only a handful of times in Saka's memory. Only once from his village that he recalled. It wasn't a thing done lightly, either. A person would stand trial. They would have a chance to speak in their own defense. This was not that. This was a man seeing an opportunity to quickly and quietly dispose of a problem, a problem that happened to be that man's own son. Zhao seemed to be enjoying himself. He had a look on his face that was almost enraptured. It was a disturbing amount of enjoyment to be expressing over someone's misfortune. There was complete silence on deck, aside from the sea still beating against the ship a restless stall crashing. Zhao's smug voice carried as a stark counterpoint as he continued. Furthermore, for the crime of high treason against your lord and nation, we find you guilty. The sentence for this crime is death, with the execution to be carried out forthwith, without trial or ceremony. There was another deafening silence. The assembled soldiers seemed to be holding their breaths as one. So, Zhao said, drawing an ornate dagger from his belt, the engraved blade glinting pale in the moonlight. Here we are. He tipped Zuko's chin up with the flat edge and smiled down at him. Recognize this knife? It seems fitting, don't you think? Zuko seemed to have gained enough control over his emotions to glare, straightening as much as he could in his awkward kneeling position. Never let it be said that he would just lay down and take Zhao's grandiose bullshit. Saka was sort of proud of him for that. He hoped he kept it up. Zhao didn't deserve to see him cower. Do it, then, Zuko rasped. Zhao rested the blade against Zuko's unscarred cheekbone, pushing into the skin. He tilted his head to watch the thin trickle of blood that welled up. Zuko didn't flinch and kept his eyes resolutely forward as Zhao stepped behind him. He took hold of Zuko's ponytail and wrenched his head back sharply, exposing the pale line of his throat. Sokka felt sick. He didn't want to watch this again. Images of Mamek's death, of the other warriors, kept swimming before him. The cool indifference of the watching soldiers, and the indignity, the reality of violent death. But he couldn't seem to shut his eyes. Perhaps he should watch, should bear witness in case anyone cared to know how the prince died. Would his sister? His uncle would, surely. Sokka viciously hoped Iroh swore bloody vengeance and obliterated these bastards. But he suspected the old man would be too dead to do anything, assuming he had even survived whatever had happened at the North Pole. The knife glinted in Zhao's hand as he slashed with it, a strong, unhesitating motion. Sokka flinched, but instead of the spill of blood he had expected from slitting Zuko's throat— Zhao drew the blade up in a sharp movement, severing the plume of hair in his hand and letting the prince's head jerk free. What, above and below? Zhao held the ponytail in his hand like some sort of prize. Something for your father to show the job is done, he said. Zuko looked too stunned to respond. He had clearly also expected the blow to have left him bleeding out his life on the deck. Zhao stepped casually back to face Zuko, tail of hair still clutched in one hand he made a vague gesture and the men released suko's arms he sagged a bit startled but then raised his head in defiance and began to force himself to stand the motion a little awkward with his legs visibly shaking he was breathing hard and his eyes were still wide with lingering shock and fear but he was nothing if not stubborn and he gained his feet From the expression on his face, Sokka suspected he was about to attempt some sort of firebending, even with his hands bound behind his back. That would, of course, be suicide, but was a very Zuko response to humiliation. Also apparently anticipating an ill-advised explosion, Zhao shot out a hand and grabbed the prince around the throat, hard, pulling him forward and lifting him almost onto his toes as he stared down at him. "'Now, now, Zuko, where are your manners?' he asked in a sweet tone. Zuko glared and worked his jaw, although he couldn't seem to speak with his airflow so restricted. Without the hair giving him height, he looked smaller, his features delicate around Zhao's big hand. Sokka was tempted to mentally readjust his age down a few years. The change in his appearance made Sokka actually see him, rather than the image of the enraged prince chasing Aang all over the Earth Kingdom. He realized he might actually be closer to Sokka's age than adulthood, which made no sense for the timeline he had constructed in his head, and also made Zhao's gloating even more pathetic. Zhao leant in, smiling. He was dangerously close, in Sokka's opinion. Zuko seemed like the sort of guy that might resort to biting if there was no other option. "'Your life is mine, Zuko. To do with what I will, and to end when I choose,' he said." Zuko was going red from the lack of air, but he screwed up his face and spat. Not an easy thing to do with someone crushing your windpipe, and most of it went down his own chin, but enough hit home to make Zhao rear back, releasing his grip. Zuko had just enough time to suck in a gasp or two of air before Zhao's backhand sent him sprawling to the deck. Zhao wiped the spit off his face. "'Take him below,' he said, voice cool. "'Don't be gentle.' Rowe didn't need to be told twice, and he grabbed for Zuko, dragging him by his bound arms and not giving him a chance to gain his feet. Sokka didn't see what happened next, and he was being bundled back down below decks by the men holding his arms, but the slew of very impressive curse words were telling of Zuko's opinion of his treatment. Back in the cage, he watched Rowe and Shen half-wrestle and half-drag Zuko back to his cell. He was bleeding from the nose and cussing up a storm but otherwise didn't seem too badly hurt. Saka was still getting over the fact that Zuko wasn't dead. He had really thought that was going to be it, and he was going to be returning to the hold alone, for however long it took for Zhao to locate Aang and try to use him as bait. He was unbelievably relieved that wasn't the case. He didn't think he could have survived the past week with his sanity without Zuko's annoying presence keeping him company. He suspected what time Zuko still had to live would not be pleasant. There was a long list of things Zhao had to pay him back for, and he hadn't been lying when he said Zuko's life belonged to him. How much time was there? Would he lie to the Fire Lord, send him the hair and declare the prince dead? Eventually he was going to have to do the deed, or risk being found out. It would have to be before they hit land at least. Once the soldiers had left, Zuko sat awkwardly with his hand still bound behind him, his head bowed. He looked small and young and crushed. "'How old are you?' Sokka asked into the oppressive silence. "'What?' Zuka lifted his head to stare incredulously. His nose was still bleeding sluggishly. "'How old are you? I realize that I don't know. "'You're asking me this now?' "'Well, at least it had him showing some sort of emotion "'other than the despair that was lurking behind his yellow eyes. "'Yeah.' You'd rather we talk about what happened out there? No. Zuko croaked, eyes closing briefly and his mouth drawn tight. I'm fifteen, but only for another two months, Sokka offered. Zuko stared at his dirty knees. Sixteen. I'm sixteen, he said at last. Spirits, his timeline was off. How old were you when you, er, left the Fire Nation? No way to really ask that tactfully, given the circumstances. Zuko wet his lips. In two weeks, it will have been three years. Now leave me alone. He lowered his head to his knees and hunched his shoulders. A clear dismissal. Thirteen. Who banished a thirteen-year-old? Why? Saka couldn't comprehend it. It would have to be a problem for another day, as it was obvious Zuko wasn't going to be answering any more questions at the moment. So Sokka rested his own forehead on his drawn-up knees, giving Zuko the illusion of space and his confusion and grief. Enough. He was done being passive, wallowing in fear. It was time to get thinking. He was the plan guy, so he needed to get planning. There must be a way off this damn murder boat. He just had to find it.